Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 121 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. We've got a really exciting episode today, but I've also got a lot to tell you about. So this is going to be quite a long intro. So I'll warn you in advance of that if you would like to skip forward um, and whatever else. But I've got some really interesting stuff. I went to the House of Houses of Parliament and and stuff. I'll get out of the way straight away that this week, obviously, we're, as ever, sponsored by Speech Development Records. Thank you all very much for supporting speechdevelopmentrecords.com. It's my web store. It's where you can buy... I've got Scroobius Pip woolly bubble hats, which you could get for this time of year. We've got jumpers. We've got coats. We've got all sorts of stuff as winter is setting in. Winter is coming. That's topical because of last week's one with Sam from uh, Game of Thrones obviously john bradley i do know his actual name speechdevelopmentrecords.com head there to support stuff it'd be nice if you could do that it's good for christmas presents there's also a signs section now where there's tons of signed stuff by me by different guys on the label oh i'm a bit um hiccupy this morning anyway on with this podcast um the distraction pieces network has had a hectic week i'm going to start with my trip to the Houses of Parliament and I haven't banged on about it in advance because I was cautious of it for a little bit but basically a while back I was notified that the Distraction Pieces podcast episode with Housing for Women the the comic relief slash sport relief special we did was nominated for an award on the um, the Human Trafficking Anti-Slavery Day uh, a Human Trafficking Foundation Anti-Slavery Day Media Awards. And I'd been invited to the Speaker's House at the House of Common, uh, 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 House of Parliament um, to go and see about the awards and be there and all this. And I was cautious at first because, I mean, I don't need to ramble on too much, but I don't particularly support our current uh, parliamentary or governmental system. Um, but I had a look into it, and the organisation is an all-party organisation, so it's non-party specific. It continues its its quest to deal with modern-day slavery, which, as you'll know from hearing that episode, and even the um, the refugee day a refugee day special with um, uh, with Ramel, you'll know that it's still yeah a prevalent thing. So yeah. They continue their work regardless of what party is in, regardless of political change, regardless of governmental change and all that. So it was cool. I thought, I'm excited to be part of this. I'm honoured to be invited. So I went enthusiastically. And obviously it was weird because I'm I'm there in a suit and that in Speaker's house. I have to go in, in, in an entrance and get searched and all this and go through security. And then you go like through an underground tunnel to get into the main Houses of Parliament bit. And yeah, it's all pretty odd. Um, and we go in there, and I instantly didn't feel at home. And that's not anyone's fault, but it it was very much a lot of politicians and stuff like this. And um, so I I literally got there, and they had some some paperwork, some 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 leaflets and information on some of the work that they've been doing. So I basically I grabbed a seat and I sat and read about some of the amazing work that's being done to try and help people who've been brought over here in human trafficking and in the sex work industry and all this kind of thing. And the room f- filled up more and more with people speaking to other people, p- p- people of influence, tr- trying to influence other people of influence. And I, I wasn't, I'm not into that. I'm not a social person. I'm not a a, a networker despite having a network. <laughs> um, so I just chilled and read my stuff and kind of observed, and it was all quite strange. I, a thing I found amusing was if I wanted a, a glass of wine or a cocktail or these other things, there was people in suits um, passing these out on trays, but because I wanted a glass of water, I had to, to get that myself. So, so that was just that's nothing to do with, with them. That's just a comment on... The British drinking culture. Um, so, so yeah, I'm there, and then the awards start, and the Speaker of the House is there, and the Home S- S- Secretary's there. And I was like, again, I was feeling uncomfortable because it's 
it's one of them weird things of every time someone says something, there's people going here, here, rah, 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 mumbling and all that in a in a, a, a House of Parliament, a House of Commons kind of way, which is a bit weird to me. But it turned out it was really good because the organisers and those involved, it was there to s- celebrate and g- 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 give out awards and prizes and credit f- f- for those tackling these subjects. But they also really put some serious and harsh questions and statements to the Home Secretary and the Speaker of the House, who, you know, you kind of think were just there to be a nice um, a figurehead or whatever. But it was kind of great that, that things were brought up and, and debated and demands made of them going f- forward. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting night. It didn't win, but it meant the world that pretty much everything else nominated was either The Guardian or the BBC or in general, some massive organisation. So the fact that this tiny little podcast on my tiny little, uh, little network was nominated was uh, was recognised in any way just meant the world. So yeah, it was a weird night. As soon as it was the awards bit was over, I just bounced. I bounced. Everyone was staying around to drink and and network and all that kind of thing. And I'm not into it, man. I'm, I'm not into it. So I I walked to the train station and got the train home and recorded the intro for last week's podcast in fact um yeah it was weird but yeah anyway that's that that was that and i just just wanted to to uh, to reference that and recommend that if you didn't check out either the um a refugee day a refugee day special with ramel um in conjunction with the british red cross or the housing for women's special with Mira um, in conjunction with with Sport Relief and Comic Relief, I recommend you go and check those episodes out. Um, I mean, as and and also the Greenpeace special, we did a two part Greenpeace special, and it's interesting because this happens to be the first podcast I've done with a charity s- since then, and it's nice to see the impact that the s- sparseness of such podcasts within my podcast has. Um, in next week's episode, I've got. Jeff Lloyd on it's a great episode he's an amazing dude I love talking to him it really gets yeah it's it's a very powerful episode it surprised me how deep it got and how heavy it got but he was wonderfully open and honest so it's a fascinating one but in that one we talk about how I get hit up at least at least once a week if not several times a week but by different people asking me either to have a charity on the podcast or just to post a link on my social media for their their um whatever they're doing for, for charity the, the, are they sponsored run or sponsored sober month or whatever else and i i, I can't do it because my belief is and we discussed this on next week's podcast is that if you post three four links a week f- for different charities and nature on social media is to then just scroll past those whereas if i only ever post or engage with the occasional one that really means something to me, then people will pay attention and it will have an impact. So I don't know, the the being very selective and making sure it's something I'm personally engaged with increases the impact rather than covering more charities and, and diluting the impact of any of them, if that makes sense. So it's great that, yeah, these occasional ones that are on some heavy... T- topics tend to get a lot of attention and a a lot of love um and today's is an example of that but speaking of attention and and love say why to drugs the podcast that Susie gage hosts and i'm a guest on each week um has won an award and it's the first award of on the distraction pieces network it won an award at the skeptic magazine awards their oakham awards which is amazing because they're they're like a a scientific and educational and legit magazine and organization so it's amazing at such an early point of this podcast um to get that praise and to get that recognition so huge congratulations to dr Susie gage if you haven't checked out say why to drugs go and have a browse uh we discuss a different drug each week and she breaks down the facts about them essentially um the myths the facts, the truth, it's unbiased, it's un, it's not pro-drugs, it's not anti-drugs. Um, and yeah, there's been some great ones. Uh, 
uh, last week's episode on caffeine was absolutely f- fascinating, but we've also covered um, ketamine, alcohol, marijuana, uh, s- psychedelics, and all sorts of other stuff. So coke, c- cocaine, uh, tobacco. I think next week's one maybe is vaping and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's really interesting. Check it out. On to this week's podcast. I was really pleased to talk to these guys. Um, I'll tell you how it came about. We kind of discuss it in the podcast a bit, but uh, there's been a few different podcasts I've done which talk about death and online and on social media and in podcasts. I'm very adamant that we need to talk about death more because the more it's a taboo, the more we... Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It, sh- it shouldn't be a taboo. It's it's a completely natural thing. It's going to happen to to literally all of us. And Lloyd emailed me to say, look, I work for this organization called Dignity in Dying. And we wondered if you'd like to be involved in any way or discuss in any way. And I hit him up and said, look, can you come on the podcast and discuss all this? Because it's a fascinating topic. Um, I want to ramble on loads about it now, but that happens in the podcast and they do it far better. So I'm joined by Lloyd, um, who works for Dignity in Dying, and Mick, who he'll tell his full story but essentially traveled to dignitas with a friend who you know had chosen to 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 end end their life um but uh, due to a terminal illness and decided to end the pain so it's an emotional one but it's a beautiful and powerful one as with these as you know if you're a a regular listener uh, when we've got a famous person on (laughs) it kind of does its own job people come to it and find it or they do a tweet and so on and so forth and when it's ones i like these which isn't a big name but it's a really big topic um we really appreciate it if you tweet about it and push it or just 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 recommend it to friends simple as that um i'll stop rambling on um i'll be back at the end to tell you about the podcast we've got coming up with jeff lloyd and ian lee and many others so i'll talk to you in a bit but for now this is distraction pieces podcast episode 121 with lloyd and mick of dignity in dying Right, um, I'm joined today by Lloyd and Mick, and I'm at, at Dignity for Dying's offices, and we're going to discuss the charity, as, as some of the, the stories b- behind it, I guess, and generally talk about the calls, the calls at hand there. Um, so, hello to both of you, and, and hello, thanks hello. for coming in and, and chatting. Thanks for having us. Um, I'll start with you, Lloyd, because you got in touch with me um, after... I'm not sure which podcast because I talk a lot about death on, pod- <laughs> on the podcast in general. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer. I had a woman on called, called Carla Valentine a while back, um, and she's a mortician and and, mm. a, and generally a campaigner for the fact that we don't talk about like death is too much of a, t- a taboo in our society. And the fact is, it's the one thing we've all got in common. And 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 on the live podcast, I think I made a point of just really quite morbidly just looking at the crowd and saying just so you know like you're going to die and everyone you know is going to die and everyone you don't know is going like we're all going to die so it's it's a weird thing that's a taboo um and that kind of comes into what you guys do here so so yeah do you want to kind of explain and why that 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 drew you into yeah sure so that was your podcast at leicester square theater yeah and from hearing that i could tell that you know, this is an issue that you'd thought about, yeah. which is why I got in touch because yeah. I thought this is this campaign was something you might might want to hear about. So, so Dignity and Dying, the organisation I work for, um, we campaign to legalise assisted dying in this country, mm-hmm. um, and that would allow dying people to control the manner and timing of their deaths. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, a lot of people don't want to talk about death, but yeah. a lot of people don't think about how they want to die and whether that is a you know if they. <laughs> if they have clear visions about how they want to die, whether that is possible under the current law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. and, and, it, and it's a weird one that we don't think about that. I was, I was doing um, another thing the other day with Colin 
Murray and Bob Mills, strangely, and, and Stuart Pearce, England, England legend Stuart Pearce, and they were discussing how two of them have planned out their funerals completely. And they were saying, again, it, it, it then occurred to me, it's like, I've never even thought about planning that or getting it in place. But they were saying, in a jokey way, they're like, imagine if you die and then someone chooses a song and go, oh, we'd love that, and it's a song you hate. It's, it's like, as simple as that. It's like, you can quite simply... Get all that kind of stuff in line now. Have it all planned out so it's what you want it to be and controlled in the way that you want it to be. Yet again, it's something that we... Oh, no, we don't want to think about the fact that we're that we're mortal. But it, it, yeah. as I said, it becomes even stranger when it's a case of law comes into it. And yeah. Legality. I mean, it's obviously... That's a good point because it's natural to want to plan for those things yeah. and to plan for everything throughout your life. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to this issue and how you actually die, then the law says that you haven't got a choice in that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we'll come on to, to mixed story. And, yes, of course. But the key thing for us is that the current law doesn't work and people are forced to take matters into their own hands or suffer against their wishes. Um, yeah. And that's why we, we do what we do. Again, it's, it's one of those, those weird things. And it's, it's similar with gun law in America, that people seem to think it's one or the other. And it isn't. You know, the, 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 it's right that there has to be some kind of go- governing and keeping our things for the protection of people, for the protection so that people aren't having their machines switched off because the doctors decided they need an extra bed or things. I mean, we need those protection points in there. But, yeah, it's, it's in, it, it blows my mind to think that as a human, I mean, I'm, it's completely up to me what food I eat, what exercise I do or don't do, what I watch on TV, all these things that I'm doing to me. It's ge- generally the law is stuff that you're doing to someone else mm. um, or protecting against stuff you're doing to someone else. I can't go and punch someone in the face. Quite right. <laughs> Quite right. I support that law. I can't do these things. But when it's a case of a choice of your own life and your own, own mortality and your own a, a living, it seems crazy to say, right, you're, for example, you're in immense pain. Right, well, you just have to stay like that. So, I've lived, I've lived a life. I'm, 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 it's not going to get any better. I'm, and again, it does. People, I think, with suicide, I guess, or choosing to die. Again, it's a slightly different area in these things. Um, people kind of seem to see it as always a negative thing, or a miserable thing, or a depressing. And it doesn't have to be. Again, if if you're in a lot of pain you can also be in a point where you go, right, I'm I'm really happy with everything up to here. I'm, I I feel comfortable leaving this 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 earthly plane at this point. So do you know what I mean it doesn't have to it shouldn't be this scary, dark, illegal thing, right? Exactly, yeah. Especially when you look at the flip side of what's happening under the current law. So people are dying in pain yeah. or taking matters into their own hands, whether it's by travelling abroad or doing that at home and on their own. Yeah. You know, their horrific circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Taking control is not a bad thing in the, when you look at it in that context. No, completely. And, 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 and the fact is, if it's got to that point, then there's not a lot of convincing otherwise. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If it, it's not like it's a casual decision you make. If you come to the decision that you want to end your life, that's a big, a big decision. So making it illegal just makes that big decision a far more uncomfortable and far more un- unpleasant decision because of either having to travel abroad and potentially be not have the friends and family you might want to say goodbye to and stuff like that there with you. Or, as you said, even even darker, they're having to take it into your own hands at home in um, an uncontrolled situation, uh, a far more traumatic and un- unpleasant situation because... The fact of if it was made legal is there are ways of making a very comfortable and um, and, and respectful passing. You know, it, it, it can be done in a in 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 a, a decent manner. Whereas if you're having to take it into your own hands, that's not as easy. That's not no. necessarily the case. It can be this a, a far uglier thing there. Yes, yeah. and we you know we've done research into the scale of these problems. And- yeah. At the moment, every 10 days, someone's travelling abroad to, to Dignitas That's crazy. Um, to die from, from this country. And we, we did a freedom of information request to uh, directors of public health. Yeah. And we found out that 7% of suicides in this country involve someone who's dying. 
Wow. Um, and that, that equates to about one a day. Yeah. And, you know, when we'll talk about what MPs did last year when they voted down the assisted dying bill, but they didn't get rid of any of these problems. They just no. swept them under the carpet. They're still, yeah. they're still carrying on, which is, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's perfect illustration that the law doesn't work in it and it needs yeah. to change. And, and, and definitely that it feels like a identifying a problem and then choosing to not act on it. Mm. It, it, it. It'd be different if these bills are being pushed out, but here's the, here's, here's our solution rather than going, that's not the answer. So, so what is the answer? I don't yeah, know, we but, but, but we're not, we're not, get, well, we, we need an answer, man. <laughs> there's, there's, this is a current issue and it's, it, it's not going away. You can't, it's not fair to dismiss one answer without putting forward an alternative, you know? Um, so what kind of, I guess, how do you guys get involved in this and, and, and are you approached by people? Are you talking to people direct who are, are going through these problems? And yeah, yeah, what's kind of the role of, of, of Dignity and Dying here? Yeah, so people do approach us. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and it illustrates the problem with the current law, people don't know where to go for support when yeah. they find themselves in this situation yeah. and they want to exercise this but recognise that the, the law doesn't allow them to. So people do approach us and ask what they can do. Um, we operate within the law to try and change the law. So our hands are tied in a way in that we, we can't help anyone. But, we, we you know, we do offer an outlet in helping people campaign yeah. for a change and that's really where we um, come into play. So just That's great because, as I said, it is, it is an odd area because you can't, because of the laws, there's only so much that you guys can do to help, really. Because, well, we can't, the law is against you helping in this situation. You can't help people with, with traveling to Dignitas or with, with, with dying at home or, or any of these other things. But you can bring all of these cases and all of these examples together to help the campaign to, to hopefully change that and to make it an option. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, again, maybe we'll talk about, about Bob Cole, but people like this are so inspiring to us because they're willing to give up their final months and weeks yeah. to help us campaign even yeah. though they know that they won't get the benefit of that law but they yeah. just want to prevent other people going through what they th- go through, yeah. have been through so yeah we work you know with supporters that we have in in parliament um to try and get these laws through um as i said in the in the house of commons last time there was a bill it, it was voted down um but what we're, what we're really trying to do at the moment is try and get back to grassroots and get a our supporters on the ground to to contact their MPs and speak to their doctors, speak to their family and friends yeah. and really, you know, push this issue forward from there. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it's, it's, it, it's clarifying that I said, it's not, it's not a one or the other. You, you guys don't support um, a euthanasia law, which would allow doctors the right to say, let's stop that. It, 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 it's, it's purely supporting the individual right when terminally ill but of sound bod- of, of sound mind to say, look, I choose of my own volition to to call it a day, you know, so. Exactly, yeah, and it's ironic but also tragic that, yeah, we don't campaign for euthanasia law, but the fact is that that's what's happening under the current law. Yeah. Because there's no legal rights for patients to control their own deaths. Often doctors are doing it behind closed doors. Yeah. And there's been research and around a thousand deaths a year occur through through that method. Yeah. And you know, that's illegal. And there's actually there's absolutely no regulation of that or I was gonna say, upfront that's safeguards. the scary thing there, because it's it's the lack of regulation, because it sounds scary to say a thousand a year, but equally a number of them could and again, anything I say is in my opinion. It's not <laughs> it's it's not the opinion of dignity and but a lot of them could be Fucking heroes right there who, who, who are saying, look, this isn't fair. I'm, the law is wrong. I'm going to help this person. Do you know what I mean? But, but again, we don't know. Like without the regulation, you don't know yeah. where that line is. And there's no protection for, for dying people, most importantly, but there's no protection for doctors either. Yeah. You know, oh, if, if after the event, someone thought that that should be investigated, well, yeah. first of all, the person's already dead. Yeah, so that that's not the correct way to do it. Surely yeah. it's better to have that investigation up front, which is yeah. exactly what would happen with an assisted dying law. Certainly, yeah. um, and then yeah, secondly, that you know, 
that doctor might have been acting compassionately, but there's nothing in, in the law to protect them in that circumstance. Yeah. That's, again, that's petrifying there that there's no protection for that compassion for someone caring so much about someone's well-being. Yeah, well, the the letter of the law says you're a criminal. I don't... Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's it's it, it it's a tough area. Um, Mick, can we talk about your story and how you be- became involved with and in, in touch with dignity and dying and and kind of yeah how everything <coughs> came along? Well, I have um, a friend of uh, forty years, and uh, we met years ago in Manchester. And our lives have intertwined on and off since then. And in 2013, uh, Bob Cole was his name, his wife uh, fell uh, ill with what they thought then was Parkinson's disease. But her, her condition got worse and worse. And she was deteriorating very quickly. And then a second opinion determined that, in fact, she didn't have Parkinson's. She had something called supranuclear, progressive supranuclear palsy, which is a terminal illness. And uh, in the end, uh, she was, um, I was helping Bob with nursing her in her last few months of life. She was unable to stand, to feed herself, to wash herself, to go to the toilet, but she still had the mental capacity there. And given the prognosis, which was that she would eventually die of a fall, or a pneumonia, or of choking because of her tongue mm-hmm. getting stuck in her throat. She did, she was a very, very strong character, by the way, Annie, um, decided to go to Dignitas. Yeah. And um, this is not a story about me, it's a story about them, but I'm proud to say that I helped them to arrange that. Um, and so Annie died on February the 9th, uh, 2014, uh, in Switzerland, surrounded by a very small number of close friends in the clinic. Um, and Bob was very, very upset. And uh, But we went to South Africa, and we had a really great holiday in South Africa mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2015. And it was the watershed. It was the end of a period of mourning and grieving for him and turned over a new leaf. He was looking forward to life. Uh, and the first thing at time I noticed something was wrong. We were walking in the Peak District up in the hills. And he was really fit. He was a mountaineer, yeah. a climber, um, a guide. He'd lived his life in the mountains of North Wales. He was in the mountain rescue team, South, South Snowdonia mountain rescue team for many, many years. Wow. Uh, over 25 years and team manager. So here's a guy who's really fit. And we were going up an incline. He had to stop to draw breath which I found really strange. And I thought, well, you must have been overdoing it. We'd prad a bit too much wine the night before, <laughs> probably, you know. <laughs> and uh, then it got to the end of the walk. It was quite a steep climb up to the uh, pub at Monsell Head. And he w- ended up gasping, leaning against the wall, gasping for breath. He'd gone to the doctor who told him he'd got a chest infection. Uh, but one thing led to another. And he eventually went to A&E in Chester, um, and was sent on for tests. And in fact, he had mesothelioma. Mesothelioma is an asbestosis um, illness. Right. And you can catch it. He was an apprentice carpenter at the age of 16. Right, sure. One of his first jobs was clearing out an old factory, sawing the stuff up, chucking the stuff around, what have you, and no protection in place yeah, then. Of course. Uh, and mesothelioma lives in your lungs for 40 to 50 years and then suddenly erupts, and it's completely lethal. There's nothing can be done. Um, So he died because he was in such agony. Um, He was 68 years old, fit as a flea in the months before, and then suddenly on death's door. Um, Palliative care had run out. In other words, there wasn't any drugs that they could give him anymore to take the pain away. And it was heartbreaking to see a man with his arms around his chest, rocking backwards and forwards, saying, it feels as though my chest is on fire. Mm. And you'd give him his bottle of morphine, that he was only supposed to take two or three times a day, and he'd swig half a bottle of it, and then go off into some kind of trance until it wore off and it all started again. 
So palliative care, he was beyond there. There was nothing they could do for him. And he himself also then decided, that's it, that's my lot. Because his bottom line was quality of life. If I don't have quality of life, then that's it. I want to die with dignity. And he wanted um, to make something of this death to help others like him who were put in the same position to help this campaign here with dignity in dying. So he was very, very happy to have the Sun newspaper go with him to to Zurich. Mm-hmm. Um, and an ITN film crew who also went wow. and filmed his last hours and his last and his death. Um, they didn't actually film the actual death in Dignitas because you're not allowed in. Yeah. They wouldn't allow film cameras in. Um, but he died with a smile on his face, and wow. this was the end. Um, just because it was an end to the pain which had become intolerable. The issue here, I think, is that firstly. Um, Thank heavens, Dignitas exists. Yeah. Secondly, it's not cheap, so it's not available to everyone. The total cost of going to Dignitas with four friends was something in the region of £12,000, wow. which a lot of people don't have. No, of course. Um, a lot of people are lonely and also don't have the support mechanisms that enabled him to do it. So he was happy then to his almost dying wish which was printed in the sun on the front page, was to say the law must change. Mm. Because, just to pick up on what you were saying earlier, committing suicide isn't illegal, but assisting somebody to commit suicide is illegal. So those of us who travelled with him or helped him to arrange his his death were actually the criminals, potentially, not Bob. Bob, neither Bob nor Annie were committing a criminal act. Yeah. But those people who are helped to arrange it, and this is what is ridiculous, because yeah. Dignity in Dying has been lucky to have um, patrons like um, Chris Woodhead. Mm-hmm. And Chris Woodhead's wish was to, he wanted to die at home, surrounded by his friends with a nice bottle of wine. Yeah, And of course he couldn't do that. No, he couldn't do anything in life because the friends would be seen as aiding and abetting a suicide. So... Uh, what is staggering, I think, is that the Sun put this on its front page. Yeah, was indicative of the fact that this is something which dignity and dying will tell you. Eighty-two percent of people, when polled, are in favour of it. Yeah, and yet we have a legislature which won't, doesn't want to catch up. Although, ironically, the House of Lords is leading the way, and the House of Commons, who is acting with some degree of cowardice over this, yeah. maybe we, that's that's the nature of the campaign at the moment. It's 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 mind-blowingly selfish and arrogant to think that we have a right to tell anyone that no, you're not allowed to stop now. I said someone who's 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 holding their chest and rocking every day when their medicine wears off. The fact that it's similar to the bill being kicked out without a solution. The fact that they're saying right, there's nothing more that we can do for you treatment-wise. You're just going to be in pain. If you're saying there's nothing more than you can that that you can do, then there should be the option of right. Well, sure, I could understand more if they're saying, "Look, we've got solutions. We can keep. We might be able to sort this. We might be able to do that." But if they're not saying that, how can they then turn around and go, "You just have to keep existing in 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 extreme pain and discomfort"? It's it's mind blowing. I think there's um, a challenge here for doctors, yeah, who know. Many of them deal with people who are dying. Mm. All of them, I imagine, GPs in one form or another, even the Royal Colleges, all deal with people's health and with death. Yeah. And many of them know, I'm sure, that the end of life is not always as serene as it should be, Yeah. nor is their palliative care available for some illnesses. So I just wanted to tell you the story about what happened. Bob was in the state um, of acute and chronic pain Mm -hmm. and he was going to a hospice for pain management and they adjusted his pain management and adjusted it and adjusted it but nothing changed actually they couldn't do anything for it instead of saying to him we can't do anything what they said to him was this is a man who his consultant at the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital said you're too weak to have chemotherapy the head doctor at the hospice said to him we can give you major surgery to remove all of the nerves in your chest. Wow. 
Now, I think there's a dishonesty in that. I think that, and this is um, a dishonesty, it's an ethical dishonesty that saying, ought to be saying to him, we can't do anything for you. We can't relieve your pain. Yeah. Therefore, you, ha- you should have the right to take matters into your own hands yeah, as you sure. wish. But to hold out that kind of alternative, he'd have died on the operating table, I'm absolutely yeah. certain. Yeah. Because they couldn't allow the, the, this concession to reality, really, I think. It's, I think it was shameful. Yeah. I think it was shameful. It was so distressing to hear that said. It's, it's, it feels like a crazy one of, of no one wanting to take that responsibility, yes. which, yes. again, if Absolutely. we had a greater comfort with death within society, it wouldn't be a guilty responsibility. Absolutely. It would be a graceful responsibility. The fact that, again, it's saying, look, essentially it's, it, it's saying the same thing because deep down they probably know if you go under this surgery, you're going to die in a not pleasant manner, in an operating table being yeah. cut apart and yeah. ripped open. But if, if again in this situation where they've said you're not well enough to, to survive chemotherapy essentially, or to undergo that, that suggests that again, as everyone knows with a major surgery, there's always a risk of not waking up from it. Any major anesthetic again, Mm. there's great risks in this. So it feels there like it's going, well, we can kill you essentially, but we can only do it in a way where it looks like we're trying to help you. And it's like, well, absolutely. If, if, if the same, end result if the end result is the same then why can't you say well look instead of us having you on a table unconscious with no friends and family cutting you open we can have you at home with your friends and family around you and as you said having a nice bottle of wine absolutely this is the contrast um so when bob went to zurich with uh friends um me included um, he had a night out the night before Mm -hmm. a last meal really nice meal a few drinks didn't sleep very well. <laughs> Got up in the morning, went to Dignitas. He um, had chosen uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, oh, wow. uh, and that was playing uh, as he took his final drug. You know, you have yeah. to take it yourself. Um, but he, that's true, absolutely true. He died, and he said, I'm at peace, because yeah. and he died with a smile on his face. Now, that wasn't the option that was given to him. Dignitas gave him that opportunity to die with dignity. Yeah and to preserve what quality of life would be left yeah. to him. And it's absolute tragedy that the, situ- the law here didn't allow him that same option to do so without having to act almost like a fugitive, yeah. having to go abroad or be willing to stay here potentially with friends and break the law. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting you're using that term because, again, another mind-blowing parallel that comes to mind is if you're in a country that has the death penalty and you're on death row, you're a criminal, you're being told you're going to die, you have the right to choose your last meal, <laughs> to generally choose if you want some music playing while you die, and to have a peaceful and painless death. Because you're someone who is seen that you have to be removed from society, whereas if you're not that criminal and that person, you don't have the right mm. to choose a last meal, to choose what music or scenario or situation mm. you're dying in, and to have a pain, uh, you know, uh, not yeah, or a, a painless mm. death, essentially, and a, a, a peaceful transition. There's an, there's an absurd argument put forward by some opponents to changing the laws that they, they, they don't feel it's needed because doctors have the ability to increase pain medication mm-hmm. up until the point where they know the person's going to die, yeah. like you said, with the, similar to the operating theatre, yeah. and to keep doing that until they do die. And yeah. they justify that as not assisted dying. Yeah, but the the only difference between that and what we're campaigning for is in that situation the doctor's in charge, yeah. whereas what we're saying is actually it's more important for the dying person to be in charge, and that's their right yeah. to control when it's, it happens. It's it's mind blowing that the main even those opposing it still again they see that that's that that's still saying I'm I'm okay with the actual person dying because they're in pain, yeah. but what I'm not okay with is the weird technicality on what the situation is. Again, just, mm. just, just just putting these boundaries up so someone has to kind of go in between the lines and in between the rule book. It's ridiculous. And again, it, it seems like I'm, I'm, I'm banging on and on about it, but it's got to be down to our weird ta- taboo over death, over the, over the thought of it, over the idea of it, over, over ch- 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 choosing t- to die. I mean, 
suicide is a fascinating one. And again, not speaking on behalf of, <laughs> of dignity and dying at all, but in general, I feel it's strange that we tell people what they can and can't do with their bodies. And I think my logic, like, like when I thought about it, and I've maybe thought about it too much, but when I thought about it or looked into it, we are traditionally a Catholic country. We're traditionally a Catholic or Christian country and suicide is seen as a sin and taking your own choosing to die is seen as a sin. Well, well, when most of us aren't Christians or Catholics anymore, and if we are, it's not to the letter of the law as it, it once was. So we need to drop that idea that there's something wrong or or, or weak even. Again, the fact that it's seen as a, a, a weakness at points. God damn, choosing, in that situation, choosing to end your life, to tell those close to you who, again, the beautiful situation that you have, Mick, is that you got to go with and sit there and be there. But still, I'm sure it was a big deal. Took a lot of bravery to let you guys know, for Bob to say, look, I'm not going to, I don't want to fight anymore. Because again, as friends, obviously you're going to support it, but everyone just kind of wants their friend to be there that bit longer, that moment longer. I want just one, everyone, when you, whenever you lose anyone, you'll hear people say, I'd like just one more day. It's like, well, that in itself is a selfish feeling. And it's natural, but it's a selfish feeling. I'd like one more day. In many situations, you're saying, I'd like them to be in pain for one more day so that I can have their company for one more. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it, it's a weird mm. a, a, a scenario, yet... Yeah, it, it, the idea that it's a weakness or, or, or anything like that is is ridiculous. It's, it, it can, in many situations, be the bravest thing. And, yeah. and that's what we found. So there's been assisted dying law in, in Oregon for, yeah. for nearly 20 years now, Yeah, which... You know, the, the, the arguments put forward by all our opponents have been already disproven by 20 years of evidence of safe right. practice in Oregon. Yeah. And they were the same arguments being made 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but what we find there is that rather than people being pressured or coerced, which is not happening, yeah. families and friends are actually trying to persuade the person not to do it. Yeah. And it's yeah, the person that themselves that has the, mm. you know, determination and the strength to say, actually, no, this is, this is my decision and yeah. this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think when, when people do think about the issue, they, they really look at it the wrong, wrong way around and it's, look at external pressures and not from the person's perspective. And it's, it's, it's huge assumptions as well. And again, it'd be different. Um, I think it was, is is when I, I had Russell a brand on, like one of his points about ch- changing our governmental system and things like that was saying, look, I'm not saying the solution I've got is perfect. And, it'd be fine if the situation we were in already was perfect. And again, like saying that, that the fear is that, that there might be some pressure from family or people pressuring someone into, into to ending their life early. There's a small chance of that. But again, it's definitely not the guaranteed and the norm. And if the situation we had right now was perfect, then that'd be, that'd be a fair argument and a fair caution. But the situation is so far from perfect that, that's kind of a, it's better, it feels like it'd be better to go over and have to deal with that situation than have to deal with the, I said the thousands who are having to die in unpleasant manners and unpleasant mm. situations. Exactly. If people are worried about that, they need to face up to the fact that, well, since MPs voted against the bill, 42 people have been to Dignitas. Yeah. Um, the UK authorities don't know anything about those people. Yeah. There's been no checks to see if they were pressured or coerced. So when people make those arguments, yeah. they really need to think, well, actually, even though I can't see it, that's happening already. And, and it, you know, the it, safeguarded law is yeah, so much better. I mean, as, as, as Mick highlighted as well, I mean, it's a great social injustice there that we're essentially saying at this point, if you're wealthy enough, you do have a choice. It's, it's not ideal because, again, there's the risk of the people who go are with you being criminals or whatever else. But you're wealthy enough, you kind of do have a choice. If you're not, just sit there and suffer and, uh, until you go. And that's 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 a frightening situation to have on in society. I think I think the other thing though, it's it's incoherent at the moment. It's yeah. completely all over the place. No yeah. one's quite sure. 
So when we came back from Switzerland, after Bob had died, or after Annie had died before him, no one was sure whether you're going to be arrested or not. Yeah. No one was really sure whether you, your case would go to the Crown Prosecution Service, whether it would hold up in court, so on, so on, so on. Uh, the ridiculous thing here is that um, Bob um, wrote to all his friends in August, yeah. two weeks before he died, 70 letters he wrote out. Wow. Uh, he said, um, I think to put my glasses on. Oh, so, yes. my friends, in the next few weeks, I shall depart this mortal coil, either here in Chester or at my own convenience in Switzerland. It'll be the one time I plan to leave Switzerland, not having done my big mountain, always with the fear I may not be returning home, <laughs> either due to bad conditions, accident, or more likely my own incompetence. That's true. He still couldn't tie a bloody knot to save his life. <laughs> um, but there comes a time to give up the struggle, and that time's arrived for me. I'd like to few another few years fishing, walking, being with old and new friends. Please forgive me if you think I'm being selfish, but mesothelioma knows no mercy and there's only so much pain one can take. Don't cry for me. Remember the good times. Get on and have more. The point I want to make here is that Bob made no attempt to hide the fact that he was going to go to Switzerland. Yeah. He lived in Chester. There's another man who told his doctor... And completely separately, Bob didn't know him, uh, that he was going to go to Switzerland mm. to end his life. The doctor told the police. The police turned up when the man wasn't there and kicked his back door in oh, wow. in order to interview him. And this bloke has apparently, I think, since then, either gone to Dignitas to die or done a runner just, to, just because of the implications of but thinking the law was after him. So on one hand, you have a well-publicized death with no repercussions. On the other hand, a legal system which is invoked to actually um, chase up and, per and attempt to prosecute, I imagine, people who are apparently helping. There's another really, really lovely example of this. So a couple of... Um, a woman who decided, I think she's in South Wales, Lloyd may know more about this than me, I think she was going to go, to, chosen to go to Dignitas. She had one of these terminal illnesses. And her two daughters organised a party to raise money for her. Yeah. The cam people campaigning against dignity in dying reported this to the police because their line was that, that by holding a party to raise money for her, this was actually aiding and abetting a suicide. Wow, yeah. And the police stopped the party. The party wasn't allowed to be held. Yeah. So the law is a mess. Yeah. You know, it's not being applied consistently. There's a com People are fudging the issue. As Lloyd said, you know, some doctors are doing this, that and the other. And it's all like a, a muddy area, which actually needs some legal clarification. And I would say that legal clarification should be in line with what the overwhelming majority of people want to see, yeah. which is the right to determine their own lives in ways that they choose. They're not hurting anybody else. Yeah, Nor are they inviting anyone else to be hurt. Um, and so is that, I think that the dignity word in the, in the dignity in dying campaign is the critical thing. It's the dignity at the end of life. It's, again, it's haunting to think of someone who's got to that point and decided that this is, they, they, they need to stop the pain and, and go and choose to, to end their life. To then have to feel persecuted or on the run or or, or, yeah. or chased by the police—it's like that situation is already horrendous. Yeah. We, we don't need to make that situation even more horrendous by going. Not only are you in immense amounts of pain, you're also a criminal. You're also a bad person. No, that's that's that that's hideous. That's there's no logic in that. Um, what was kind of the thought process on on your part and the friends when there was when you got those letters and you decided that you were going to go with Bob at risk of, of, of your own legal um, status, I guess, is it something that crossed your mind or that you looked into? Or was it a case of, look, the only important thing right here is is being a, a with my friend. Everything else we can deal with, you know, we can deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, it's a really good question. Um, and I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, but, um, fundamentally, uh, there's always been a big debate around how to oppose unjust laws. Yeah. 
Uh, and sometimes those people who've opposed them have actually taken action against them. Yeah. Direct action, if you like. That's the word. Yeah. And, uh, if they want to prosecute, let them prosecute. Yeah. I think that's a challenge for them. We had a very humane, um, director of public prosecutions, Keir Starmer, who actually chose to make a distinction. He said, it is a criminal act to help somebody. Yeah. but it will not be in the public interest always to prosecute. Yeah. So he made that distinction. Sure. And in his view, I'm sure, because he's spoken passionately in favour of uh, dignity and dying yeah. in the Commons debate, he was actually um, saying, you know, this ought to be acknowledged. The law is, the law yeah. is an ass at the yeah. moment. And it needs to be changed. And he used that limited wriggle room, which he had, yeah. to adopt a more humane approach. Yeah, and, but and it can't be based just on humanity. Who say we get another director of public prosecutions who doesn't agree with it? Yeah, it's say, the, it the legal system and the executive that needs to make some decision now that is in line with the 21st century. Yeah, uh, again, it, it shouldn't be based on wiggle room either. No. Do you know what I mean? The, no, the, I the, the fact that it's kind of having to give a nod and a wink of support rather yeah. than go, yeah. no, I, I support this because it's, it's, it's right. You know, it shouldn't be that. It's yeah. so crazy that it has to be this kind of, yeah, this, this weird cloak and dagger affair, even in just the support yes. of something that then equally has to be this weird cloak and dagger affair. Yeah. And th- those guidelines, all, we did welcome those because it, you know, came as some relief to, people like Mick and family yeah. and friends that were going, of course they knew their chance of prosecution would yeah. be reduced. It, they're still breaking the law, which is the big problem we need to change. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop police investigating people. And we've no. got cases of, you know, like you say, it's traumatic enough going through this process mm. and traveling back from Switzerland on your own. The it, last thing you want to yeah. do is for then two policemen to come to your door and investigate. Exactly what yeah. I was going to say is it, it's all well and good. Someone high up again. And, it, and, and genuinely, I'm not downplaying until important as well to give that support and to say that number one, it's also quite ludicrous. <laughs> to say that it is illegal, but it's maybe not in the best interest to... It's like, well, then maybe it shouldn't be. Quite clearly, it shouldn't be illegal. But equally said, it's all well and good to have that support there. But if the if the, the police officer or the policeman at ground level is simply reading, this is illegal, then again, that wiggle room might not be there. And yeah, it may not go to a, a prosecution or whatever else, but most of the people in that situation haven't probably haven't got an awful lot left anyway mm. so regardless of whether it goes to this or that the discomfort the added discomfort just shouldn't be there and shouldn't be an option to be applied it's 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 a crazy one so i mean we'll Could start... I just have one thing yeah go ahead because i think it's really important to say that um again lloyd will correct me if i've got this wrong but we want to to see safeguards that protect people, to ensure that people who can't be forced into going to die yeah. by relatives who might have, you know, take advantage of them and so on and so on. So it's not just um, a sweeping, oh, yes, it's all right, it always happens. There need to be checks and balances in there to ensure yeah. that the personal integrity of the person who's choosing to die mm-hmm. is is um, unique to them. Yeah. yeah. And not that they're being forced to die because they think they're a burden on their relatives or yeah. what have you. Um, so it's not carte blanche. We're not arguing for across the board mm-hmm. thing. We're arguing for a system that gives people that fundamental right to determine that manner, but with checks, balances and safeguards put yeah. in place. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a crucial distinction, I think. Mick's mix, so mix, mix completely right. Um, but as it comes back to what I was saying earlier, if someone is in a potentially vulnerable position, they would be so much better protected under an assisted dying law yeah, yeah, than they would course, be at the yeah, moment. Than um, under an unregulated yeah. exactly. situation. Do you, do you feel, I mean, it sounds, it feels ugly to even say, but do you feel there's any um, a laziness involved in the not changing of the law? Because the fact is, with a blanket law, you don't have to do it on a case-by-case situation. You don't have to, to look into each individual scenario, each r- relations and all that. On a blanket, no, it's illegal. You don't have to have that added work of, right, what's this situation? Whereas when in changing the, the law, again, you wouldn't 
you wouldn't want it to be changed to a blanket. Oh, it's legal. Because that's essentially saying, yeah, you can kill anyone if they're not, if they're not feeling too well. You know, you wouldn't, you'd want the regulation. So do you feel it might be a fear of that extra work, of that extra, extra regulation that has to be done? I think MPs are quite naturally conservative. Yeah. And they, you know, from the second they're elected, they're immediately looking to the next election and thinking, yeah. How am I going to keep my seat? Yeah. Um, yeah and while we have huge support amongst the public, like Mick said, 82%, that, that small minority is incredibly vocal. Yeah. And, you know, MPs fear that. Right. Um, yeah, of course. So I think they they were in a position where it was too easy last year for them to just vote to maintain the status yeah. quo. It's easier and to not change exactly, than to change. And feel like they've got rid of this issue and they don't have to think about it again, which is, is not true. Um, but to be honest, it's, it's quite embarrassing. So California's introduced an assisted dying law now. Yeah. So as Canada, um, campaigners making progress in Australia and New Zealand, you know, these countries around the world yeah. are dealing with this seriously. Yeah. yeah our parliament is just willing to turn just, a blind eye to it. You know, it shouldn't be on the wit, be, be beyond the weight of our parliament to, to address yeah. this issue and introduce some regulations. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, we discussed this on, there's two different drug pod, podcasts on the network, Say Why to uh, Drugs, which is just about an unbiased breaking down, picking a drug each week and saying, here's what it is, here's what it does, here's the risks, mm. here's the myths, and Stop and Search, which is more about the legal and governmental battles. But we discuss it on there a lot, that it's kind of embarrassing that, the fact is, the more progress America makes, the better chance we have because we have a tendency of, of, of following in America's footsteps. And considering America is right now, you know, competing pretty hard for, for being one of the most messed up countries, you know, just, just for <laughs> yeah. having a lot wrong. It's it's crazy that it takes them to do stuff for us to to sit up and pay attention. So yes, surely yeah. we need a, yeah. a government like- to go. Hang on, let's let's be the ones to be the the grown-ups in, let us lead by example rather than, than wait for the, oh, well, they've accepted it, so now, now we can without yeah. as much pressure. And like I said, Oregon has had a law which is incredibly similar to the one that we're proposing yeah. for 20 years. This this wouldn't be a step into the unknown. Yeah. We know what would happen. A, a relatively small number of dying people would, would make use of this choice and have an assisted death. Yeah. Um, but what's happened in Oregon is people have started talking to their doctors more about death and dying. You know, they bring this up as a choice and then their doctor might say, well, actually, these are the treatment options. And, yeah. oh, I didn't know about those. Yeah. So it just improves end-of-life care in it's, general. It's a big movement in in America at the moment. In general, is a lot of the death coffees and death. There's yeah. there's one called Death and Pizza, I think, where you get a free <laughs> slice of pizza and you just come and talk about death. And you yeah. talk about, again, it can be on a me- medical side, it can be on a practical side, it could be talking about the will, it can be talking about the funeral, it can talk about all of this. So, which, again, these are these are great things and, and should be happening. And I, like, the first time I read of a death and pizza party, I laughed out loud. I was like, this, this, this sounds a, a ridiculous. And as soon as I read it more, I was like, no, this is... This shouldn't, this shouldn't seem ridiculous. This should seem like a, a positive and, and, and good thing. So, so, so what's the next step going forward, I guess? How can people, what are your plans as an organization moving forward? And then equally, how can people who are listening get involved and make a difference and, and make their voice heard? As we've stated, the, the, um, opposing minority have got loud voices. So how can we as the, as 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 the supporting a majority make our voices heard and and help make a difference here. Yeah, sure. So I think first of all, it would be great if people just followed Dignity and Dying on social media, and yeah. you can keep up to date with the campaign that way. If you if you go onto our website, you can sign up to our mailing list. Yeah. We, we won't bombard you, but we'll just give you. Uh, I mean, it's, a heads up it's when- one of it, it's one of the real positives of social media is that these are ways that you can reach people that you previously wouldn't have been able to reach and equally have your voice heard in ways you wouldn't previously be, 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 be able to have it heard. You can get online petitions, get a, a silly things like a, just retweeting a link or a report can spread it to so many people. So it sounds throwaway to say, I'll follow us on social media as everyone's always campaigning to get more followers or whatever else. It's like, no, this is a genuine, it's a a tiny thing that anyone who's listening now can do literally a click of a button, but it will then, because again, equally 
you may be listening to this podcast and really feel moved by it. And then you may have a bad day at work. And the reality is we're all in our own worlds and you could forget about it or you could jump me. Whereas if you just click that, 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 that follow or that sport or, or sign up to, to the newsletter, it's a regular little nudge and reminder to go, look how messed up this is. It's still not changed. It's still not changed. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if people want to get more involved and you can become a member of Dignity and Dying, we've got local groups as well. So people can go along and meet like-minded supporters and find yeah. out what they can do locally, you know, whether it's finding out the position of your MP or yeah. who, you know, some of the groups have hosted film screenings, things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's a great way to get involved. But I think it comes back to what you were saying about trying to break down the taboo and talk about this. So yeah. talk to talk to people you know about it, ask your friends and family what they think. Yeah. You know, if they might not know that, you know, about mixed story or that that happens yeah. every 10 days to somebody. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, that's a great way. And then, you know, we keep coming back to doctors, but the the opposition of the British Medical Association is a massive stumbling block in, in right. changing the law. Um, and their stance it does not represent what doctors think. I was yeah. actually at their meeting this summer when they voted on that policy, and it's four hundred doctors who are flown to it was flown to Belfast on a all expenses paid trip. Yeah, they're not representative of what doctors think. So yeah. if people can speak to their doctor the next time they see them and just say, "This is what I think about assisted dying. What do you think? Yeah, do you know what the BMA is saying on your behalf? Then, yeah. then that's a real powerful way that we can just start tearing down some of these these barriers. Is is is, is there anything that you can do or declare currently as an individual when of like b- before anything kind of like a donor card as such is is there anything that you can kind of do and say look if i become in this or if i become unable to to represent myself or things like this you know t- take that stance in advance again in, in preparation yeah so we have a really great sister charity called compassion in dying yeah um, and they provide free information and support for people to plan ahead for the end of their life so I think it's important that this is an issue that people don't just think about when they're diagnosed with an illness, but think about all the way th- through life, 100%. like you, you've been saying. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a weird one, because that conversation I was having with Colin, Murray and Bob Mills, it was a fun conversation. Do you know what I mean? As weird as it is, we were like, and, 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 and Bob was saying, he's changed his his funeral playlist four times already. <laughs> it's, a, it's a regular thing. He's like, oh, no, 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 I'll update that. And you should make it a fun thing like that. You should make it an exciting and enjoyable thing. It shouldn't be, oh, I've got a, I've got to deal with my will. Because wills are a bit morose and morbid. And, and so it's like, it's important. But for, for things like that, actually planning your funeral, essentially, you, you, you're planning your last ever party. That that, that, that that can be a fun and enjoyable thing yeah, to think about, definitely. but equally it allows you to then go, right, actually, well, well, while we're here, let's make sure it's clear that in this situation or this and this and kind of you can, can cover all these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. so if people are interested in that, they can uh, just Google Compassion in Dying, like I say, it's our sister charity and can follow them on social media as well. Yeah. And um, they can explain the ways that you can you can formally record your, your treatment wishes. So like you said, if you were in a position where you weren't able to speak for yourself, if you'd had an accident or in a coma or had an illness which yeah. prevented you from doing that, then then the doctor can just have a look, oh, that's what that person wants. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, your wishes are respected that way. I mean, this this feels like it's, it's trivialising it, but if anyone is listening, if you follow Dignity in Dying and his Compassion in Dying on... on that's right, you both yeah. on Twitter? Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you, you follow both of them, then tag them and me and let me know your funeral song. Because I, I want ideas. I want ideas. Then tweet me that and then we can get everyone kind of of, 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 of discussing this and making their choices. Because again, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's having those open discussions. It's not being afraid of it and not being ashamed or, or sad of it. Because as I said, it's definitely going to happen. Like 100%. You can prepare for it now or you can prepare for it in a month. You can prepare for it in 10 years. But 100% it's going to happen at some point. So... It seems odd not to. It's, I guess it's that weird thing of it's always the last thing on your list. If, you, if you've got a list of errands, there's always that one that you never get, oh, I'll put it onto tomorrow's list. I'll put it onto t- t- tomorrow's list. And, and, and dying, I guess, is by default the last thing on all of our lists. But it's one that you can prepare for and can do things for. Um, to end things, is, is there anything either of you would like to kind of say as a, as a last 
a last point. I've looked instantly over at Mick because you've shared such good, some wonderful stories and everything. So, is there anything you'd like to kind of end on as a as a as as as, as a thought or a a point b- behind Bob's story and and uh, and your story? I guess. I think the only thing I'd like to say is that I agree completely with what you're saying about. I think we need to learn to celebrate death, but the death that each of us has belongs to us. Yeah. It doesn't belong to doctors. It doesn't belong to the church. It doesn't belong to vested interests in drug companies or what have you. Um, and we need to find a generosity in the public um, executive, you know, in the people we elect, in order to just have the bravery to acknowledge that change is needed. And not for us have to force through something with legal processes that actually makes them jump off the fence. Because yeah. that's where they're sat very nicely at the moment. Yeah. By the way, one thing I think I'd like to correct is that an awful, you mentioned the church earlier on. Yeah. But a lot of um, the church opposition on the hierarchy of churches mm. has come. But a lot of church members are very happy with this. Indeed, a former Archbishop, Bishop, uh, Archbishop Carey, came out very strongly, yeah. you know, in favour of this. And things are changing, and I think that's really the important thing. Yeah, that's exactly... I mean, the church things has developed changing. and changed over yes, the years, right. so it's... I've had important people who've opposed uh, assisted dying, like um, Brian Ricks, who was the comedian who became the uh, chief executive of, was it, Mencap? Right. Um, who, in his dying uh, weeks, changed his mind and said he was now in favour of... Yeah. Uh, dignity in Dying's position. Um, there was another one, I think. Who am I thinking of? Um, oh, Charles Fraser, who's the um, vicar who writes in The Guardian, he said that possibly he might take it. He's been an opponent of it. But he said he might take his mum there. So all yeah. I'm trying to say is, think this is an issue, it's on the agenda, it's there. And there's some fabulous campaigning being done by Lloyd and his colleagues yeah. in order to change this. And it will take time, and it will suffer reverses, but it 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 will happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for for coming in and talking and and, and for sharing your stories and highlighting this. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. There we go. Um, I, I almost don't want to do an outro on this one because it was ended so perfectly and beautifully are there by Mick. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that, in fact. Thank you very much for tuning in. Next week, I've got Jeff Lloyd, who's a great radio presenter, and he he tells an amazing story of his whole career. Um, we discuss his his battles with mental health over the years, his battles with alcoholism. It's it's a fascinating one. And weirdly, the week after that, I've got Ian Lee, who who has gone through some some similar troubles and challenges, and and we really get into stuff there. They're both also very f- funny and light hearted and entertaining, obviously. But we get into some heavy stuff too. So check them out in the coming weeks. There is plenty more to come. Uh, I should mention the my club night. Oh, oh we are lizards. Um, on November 5th, we are hitting Milton Keynes. And on November 11th, I think, we're in Bedford. Um, it's our last two of the year. We generally only do them in London. We occasionally do a few out of London. Um, so, yeah, we've got Milton Keynes and Bedford. If you're up for them, I mean, I'll, I'll post about it online. So, so check for details at Scroobius Pip Yo or facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. Thanks, guys. As I mentioned at the start of this podcast, please share this and spread the word. It's a hell of a topic and uh, it hopefully could cause some some open conversations. So thank you for tuning in. See you next week.